Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Good morning, Peter. How are you today? I'm great, Eric. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I'm excited to be back with you. Yeah. I uh, always appreciate it when you let me join you on these podcasts and, and chat and learn. More importantly, I learn a lot from you. And uh, today's topic is, is kind of interesting. The, the title you, you uh, sent me was Cash is King. And uh, to some people, it might not be all that exciting, you know, but I think it's, it is really one of the most important questions uh, that financial advisors are getting today. And, and, you know, people like security, they want to make sure everything's, you know, with the markets have, you know, what, what they've done the last couple of years, people are like, ah, you know, I don't know what to do. Uh, but you know, I know that if I have cash in my hand that I can buy something, right? I mean, that's kind of the basic, basic thing. And honestly, I like thinking about cash. I like, I like the thought of cash and having cash in hand and not just some in the ether. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense, Peter. Oh, it makes total sense. Uh, yeah, you're not alone. Uh, <laughs> frankly, I feel the same way, Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about what cash really means. And to me, it's all about security and liquidity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you said that's what you said. So, you know, I can always access it and I don't have to worry about it. And, and you know, and so that's the basic uh, concept of, of having cash. And, and we're lucky we live in, live in this country, the United States of America. The US dollar is really strong. It's one of the strongest currencies in the world. And we're, we're truly blessed that our banking system is strong. And, and our accounts, our, our bank accounts are guaranteed by the federal government. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, it always hasn't been that way. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, uh, I've thought about that before. And of course we're, we're coming into the holiday season season, right. And a wonderful life, right. That's, that's, that's what I remember. And I, I know that that was true a long time ago. And I can't remember honestly when the movie was produced or when, what year it was based off of, but that's what happened in the movie, right? They, they made a run on the bank. They, they made a run to the, to the credit union or whatever I think it was George, you know, ran, but that was before things were secure, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we, prior to the Great Depression and because of the Great Depression, we now have federal deposit insurance, mm-hmm. FDIC insured bank accounts. And so that's, thank goodness we got it. Yeah. And then what are we insured for? I mean, uh, to, how much? Up to $250,000 okay. per individual. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that's, I mean, that's nice to know, but I, I don't even know for, for people that are uh, of wealth, uh, is that enough? You know, right. I, I don't know if that's, if that covers everybody. Yeah. It, it, well, so it depends upon your objectives and what your concerns are, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. The, that's the FDIC insurance. It, it covers you up to $250,000 per individual, which means, you know, most people don't need to keep money under their mattress any longer Yeah, <laughs> because those accounts are really safe. So you know whether you need FDIC insurance on everything that's that that you have on deposit. That's a, that's a, another question for people. And they've got to have a comfort level, and they may want to spread it out amongst a variety of banks in order to get that FDIC insurance. So that's a possibility. Yeah, and, and I, you know, this is just I'm speaking from personal experience here. 
Cash is great. I feel good having it. I feel good having instant access to it in case something happens. That's why I personally, and, and Peter, you've talked about this before. Um, I personally have an emergency fund that is that is incredibly liquid. You know, there's some here at, at my home, uh, not a tremendous amount, but I've, I've also got some in, in, in accounts that are instantly accessible. And it's it's good to have that. But I always think about how much should I have because I'm not making any money <laughs> on, on money that's under my mattress, quote unquote, or in my closet or, or wherever. I'm not making any money on that. In fact, I'm losing some because of inflation, I think. But I, th I think it's a, a problem if we have too much cash. Yeah. And, and I think that's really the, the issue in, in the conversation. Uh, when your money is in, in cash or cash-like investments, uh, it, it, it isn't growing it, and it's not meeting one of the most important objectives that we have from, from a planning perspective. It, which is to is to is to have our money grow faster than inflation. You know, and everyone's talking about inflation right now. Mm -hmm. uh, just as an example, you know, everything seems to be more expensive. Uh, this is the the buying season, right? And uh, whether it's food or 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 computers or cars or lumber, building supplies, um, healthcare, everything's more expensive now than it was a year ago. A lot more. Yeah. And and it's discouraging, and I and in my opinion, inflation is probably the retiree's biggest risk because over time, it just keeps on reducing the value of your purchasing power. You know, it's like a slow leak from a you know a prick in a balloon or a tire. Mm -hmm. you're, you're you're just your dollars are worth less over over a long period of time, and so if, from an investment standpoint, it's vital that we keep keep up with inflation. And if we want to move ahead, then we've got to have our investments go uh, grow faster than inflation. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's, that's the goal. So on the other side of that, cash isn't supposed to keep up with inflation. That's the reality. It, 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 it really doesn't. Even when it's earning higher interest rates than, than they are now, which is mm -hmm. really low, even then, the reason why they're offering higher interest rates is because inflation is higher. Yeah. So after inflation, net after taxes, you're probably not any further ahead, even if interest rates are higher. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so going back to what I said before, cash isn't growing. How much should we maintain, in your, in your opinion? How much should we be maintaining for safety reasons or, or liquidity reasons? Yeah, I think I'm asked this question almost every day. And my answer is, is it depends. <laughs> Somehow, I, I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, so, what's it depend I, on? I, exactly. I talk about this all the time, it, it, and it, it's all centered around contingency planning. Mm -hmm. So, having enough liquid and secure cash is is just an important part of that that contingency planning because we just don't know what's going to happen with our jobs, our cars, our kids, our parents, our roof, our boiler. You know, we we knew we do need those emergency funds. So those clients with um, that, that have secure, steady jobs or pensions or newer cars or homes uh, that are, are newer or, or financially independent kids, you know, might need less in emergency funds than than others might need. And, and so I I always recommend, you know, as a goal, three to twelve months of living expenses just just in cash. Mm -hmm. But it's so dependent upon your personal situation. Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like a really simple and easy rule of thumb, uh, but is that kind of the only consideration that you should be looking at? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I don't think it is. I think rules of thumb can be right 
sometimes and they can be wrong sometimes and so. you, have, you have two thumbs right i mean so yeah you have two on the which other rule hand. do you go by <laughs> exactly so the, you know to me that 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 most important step in, in cash flow planning is to map out your cash flow over periods of time i like to think about using you know three time horizons so mapping out that projected income and projected expenses and when there are gaps, meaning there's less income than expenses, we need uh, we we need a source of funds. So so remember that money sitting cash isn't keeping up with inflation. And and, and if you're if you've got too much in cash, there's an opportunity cost mm -hmm. because your money's not growing, and and that's 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 really an issue. So so let's think about those those three different time horizons. To me, I think about short, short term, medium term, and long term. And the short term is the you know maybe six months to three years even you know just as as an example you you, you have a wedding you think you might have a wedding coming up in th in eighteen months so you you know that that's an expense mm -hmm. that you, that you'll be incurring to 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 marry your daughter and um, marry off your daughter I should say and so you want to make sure there's enough cash for that expense. So it's that six months to three years where where we want to be really aware of how much our, our, our what what kind of needs we have. Mm -hmm. Then when we think about medium term, when I think about medium term, I'm thinking maybe three to seven years. You know, it's not it's not really long time, um, but it's long enough. And and, and may, it, we might some of us might want cash for that three to seven year period. But but maybe taking some of that monies and investing it in something conservative or moderate, so it has an opportunity to exceed inflation, and at the same time managing the risk of downturns in, in the stock and the bond markets. Maybe that's an appropriate way to go. So we can't take lots of risk because if we do, then our monies uh, may be worth less in three, four, five mm -hmm. years. We mm -hmm. just don't, we don't know what, what the markets are going to give us. And that's an uncontrollable. And so, um, you know, three to seven years is a, is a longer time, but it's not long, long. And our chances of losing, we could we could lose money in that period of time. There have been other periods of time where even balanced portfolios have lost something, in, you know, in a, in a, in a three, four year period. Mm -hmm. um, and just as an example, you've got a tuition bill that's due in five years. Well, uh, how much risk do you really want to take with those monies? You know, maybe you can invest in a portfolio that's maybe only 30 to 40% in stocks. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe that'll be, give you some comfort. And then as time gets, goes on and you get closer to the goal, the closer to that, that period where you, you know, you're going to need the cash to, to, to and spend the cash. Maybe at that point you move more of it to cash or or to, or to even lower risk bonds. So we've talked about short term, medium term, and then then the long term. And to me, long term is you know seven plus years. So yeah, I I think about you know anything that's longer than seven, eight, nine years could probably be invested for a. a in a, in a more aggressive fashion, mm -hmm. not, not, I'm not talking about super aggressive because everyone's a little bit different, but um, you know, if I had, if I, if I knew I didn't need the funds for eight, nine years, I would feel comfortable with 60 to 70, 70% of my monies in stocks at that point. 
and then the rest could be in cash and bonds. So it, it, it really is a time horizon issue. And just an important point, I said it before, but as, as we get closer to those goals, we need to rebalance and reduce risk because mm-hmm. risk is always with us, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So besides taking my cash and putting it either under my mattress or in my safe, what are some other options, Peter? Yeah, there, there's not a heck of a lot, but there, there's just <laughs> the, the obvious ones come to mind. You know, bank accounts, uh, your checking, savings, money market accounts. You know, they're liquid. Uh, assuming that you're you're keeping them under that two hundred fifty thousand dollar limit, they're FDIC insured. Um, I, I feel very comfortable with money's in the bank personally. Mm-hmm. And I, I really don't feel that it's, it, I feel it's much safer to be there than having, having cash sitting in, in, in your house under, mm-hmm. un, under a mattress in a safe place. So that's just my personal feeling. People come, come down on that a little bit differently. So checking savings, money market accounts at the bank, at the bank are, are, are liquid and safe and secure. Um, CDs, certificates of deposit. Those are also FDIC insured. Um, banks issue them. Uh, the issue there is that you've got to choose a maturity period. You got to wait until that certificate of deposit matures to have access to it without a penalty. If you take it out prior to the 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 the, the maturity, you may pay a um, uh, some sort of fee or expense, um, or you may lose the interest that have been accrued during that period of time. Mm-hmm. So c- CDs and 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 checking and savings accounts are kind of very similar, just a little bit longer weight on on CDs uh, than 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 checking accounts. Um, and and then the other, to me, liquid safe uh, consideration are treasury bills or treasury bonds. Treasury bills are backed by the uh, U.S. government. Uh, they mature in less than twelve months, and you could buy a thirty day or or a 180-day um, T-bill, and at the end of that maturity period, you're going to get your your principal plus any interest back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, those are reasonable. Um, in today's world, you're not getting any interest on those short-term um, T-bills. Mm-hmm. So, it, you, to me, it's, I don't think it's worth the effort. But yeah. some people feel more comfortable with that than even savings and checking accounts. Uh, and then treasury bonds are, are those are, are bonds that are, are issued by the U S government and they're maturing in a period longer than 12 months. And therefore there's a little bit, you're waiting for a longer period of time, but they're guaranteed by the, by the federal government. And so treasury bonds are liquid, but they're, if, if, if you're buying a five-year or a 10-year treasury bond, then you've got interest rate risk there. If interest mm. rates go up and you want to liquidate your bond, you may have a loss of capital before you before mm. it matures. So it, it's not quite as liquid as short-term uh, CDs and, and checking and savings accounts and even treasury bills. Got it. All right. Well, I, I, I love listening to you talk about this stuff and it makes a lot of sense to me, but I think it would be best if we had some real examples. Do you have some examples from clients or, or you know, folks that you've run into that could better explain kind of what you're talking about of, of some of the cash planning issues you've had to address? 
Yeah, it's, these are all recent conversations I've had with with, with clients. So a daughter of, of a client of mine, let's call it the, the daughter Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in her early 30s. She's single. She's she's actually moved home with mom um, during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not paying any rent, and she's a fantastic saver. <laughs> she's really fantastic. She's a professional. She's making great a great salary. And her primary goal is to purchase a property. She wants to, to buy her first home. And uh, she, she lives in the Boston area and she wants to, to buy something in Boston. And Boston is, is a very expensive city uh, to, to buy a property. Yeah, I can in. imagine. It, it really is. And, and you know, she wants to, it to be a, a, a place that's comfortable that she feels safe in. So um, as she, she's right now, she's been saving for over a year and she's got about a third of uh, uh, she's about a third toward her goal, which mm-hmm. is great. And, and, and probably she'll be able to save enough over the next 18 to 24, 24 months to meet that goal, really a down payment uh, on a, on a, on a, on a residence. And her question is what she should do. What should she do with the funds that she has now? And she, she should she invest or keep the funds in cash? And my, my feeling was really very firm in that um, she should just keep it in cash. <laughs> she just mm-hmm. keep it in a money market account, buy a CD or a couple CDs with different maturity periods, but just don't take any risk on that. Yeah, and, and, and There's no reason to, she doesn't need to, it's not going to make a big difference. And one thing I did explain to her, I said, you know, the, um, I think it's, this is human nature that the, 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 when we, we lose something, when we have a loss, we feel that pain of loss more than we feel the pleasure of gain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, had if she invests in cash and she doesn't earn anything, she's not, she's she, she's just feeling blah. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like she's moving ahead, but she's saving, and that's what's important. If she moves it into a portfolio of stocks and bonds and she loses, let's say. A thousand, two thousand, five thousand dollars over over a period of time, which is very possible. She's going to just feel lousy. That's oh, yeah. human nature. You know, it's that f- the the lo- the feel of the 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 pain of loss is greater than the pleasure of gain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just I just pointed that out to her, and she she really appreciated that uh, comment because that's she she that's that she felt that's her personality. You know, yeah. she, she, she thought that was going to happen to her. And, um, now she's a great saver. She's also been contributing, contributing the maximum to her 401k plan. And that's almost $20,000 a year. So wonderful for her. Uh, but we talked about her priorities and, 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 you know, she can keep on contributing, but maybe reduce the 401k contributions by hmm. a bit because it's, I mean, we're talking retirement 35 years long term. Yeah. Long term. She can still contribute five, six, 8% to her 401k of, of her compensation, maybe reduce it to $10,000 a year. And, and, and then she could save more, a, a bit more aggressively. So she's mm-hmm. not maybe putting as much into retirement, but she's getting to her primary goal faster. Yeah, absolutely. D- would she benefit from any of the other kinds of cash values? Or Doug, I'm going to do that question again, edit team. <clears throat> Peter, would you say that she could benefit from other kinds of cash vehicles that you mentioned before? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't think there's that much gain mm-hmm. um, to invest 
in anything right now than than a, a, a savings or or you know a decent money market account. She could she could buy CDs and maybe she'll get a little bit more. But again, it's just effort. And the different the differential after tax is going to be really of no consequence to her. Yeah. It's not going to help her meet her goal any faster. Okay. Do you have another example? Yeah. Um, this is a uh, Matt and Paula. And, and and Paula just retired, and Matt's going to continue working. Uh, they're both in good health. Uh, Paula's el- eligible to take her Social Security, but but assuming her her good health continues, she wants to defer taking it until age seventy. And so between now and then, her Social Secur- Security benefits are, are going to keep on increasing at eight percent per year, which is why we're deferring. Why she's deferring at this point. Matt's self-employed. He's still working. Uh, and just making conservative income projections, his income is really sufficient to meet their 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 cash flow needs, and, and and might be well in excess of their needs if the business does well. And that's kind of the question. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's had really good years and, and years that are not as good. They love to travel, and it's a super priority for them that they do that now while they're young and in good health. They got lots of energy, and they just want to do that now, and, and so. Before this, the reason this came up is because they could take Social Security and that would alleviate some of the cash flow issues, but they would prefer deferring. And so as we're doing their cash flow planning over the next few years, it appears they will need to withdraw some funds from their investments if they want to do these extra trips and Matt's business income isn't as robust as they hope for. So the good news is they have assets to meet these objectives. And the question is, when do they turn these stocks and bonds into cash to meet those future needs? Do they do it now? Mm-hmm. If they do it now, they're going to have to realize some capital gains and pay the tax on that money. And then there's the opportunity cost where it's sitting in cash and it isn't earning anything. The, st- the stock market's been fantastic recently, especially over this last decade. And, and they're concerned that it might drop when they need it. And there's a chance... But there's also a chance that they don't need it, you know, because because of his income. Yes. So what do they do? How, how do they balance this? And, and, and there may not be one right answer. There may be a couple, but but they could raise um, some cash in January of, of 2022. So just just two months away, they defer the, some of the realized gain into into cat tax year 2022. So deferring is always good. Maybe the amount they need in 2022 is 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 a bit higher, but they've they've raised some cash. So at the same time, they could also think about getting their ducks in line. So they've raised a little bit of cash. They could also kind of prepare for other liquidity options in case in case the markets collapse and they need the funds. Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking there is that they could establish an equity line of credit on their house or a security back line of credit based on their on the value of their of their current portfolio. Okay. And if the markets collapse, that they, they don't have to liquidate stocks when the market's down. They can borrow using their assets as collateral. Mm. Still fully invested, still fully owning their home. Um, now these shouldn't be long-term loans. So if the market collapses, their portfolio might go down a bit. Uh, they should wait for that to return to where it was. They might have to pay some interest on the funds that they've borrowed. And then when the markets recover, 
they can sell securities then. They'll have to realize some capital gains, but uh, that's a good, uh, possibly a good balancing act between, you know, just solving, taking all the money out right now, paying all the tax when it may not be completely necessary. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a good example of of decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. A couple different options for them. Okay. And then um, one last op, one last um, example is um, Jack and Jill. <laughs> they're they're in their mid sixties. They've recently sold their primary residence, and and this is in the Boston area. So they'll net about a million dollars after paying all their uh, you know all their expenses and all. Nice. So they've done quite well. They've moved full time into their second home, which is in a a, a little bit further outside Boston, but it's in a really wonderful community. And, and they, they plan on spending three to four months in the winter in warmer climates. Mm-hmm. So to get out of, get out of, uh, out of the cold of January, February, March, it, it, they also have a, a, a son and, and grandchildren who, who live in, in a warmer climate. So that's another impetus for them to do that. So after the sale of their primary residence, the investment assets will be really plenty sufficient to meet all their retirement income needs. But their big concern is liquidity if there's a long-term care need. Mm. And, and the reason this came up is Jack's, Jack's mother recently died of Alzheimer's. And, and they, they just saw how expensive custodial care was for the family. You know, it was literally over the years, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, And, and it was just really significant. And they're just fearful of that. They, they just don't want to deplete their assets in the event that happens. Mm-hmm. So um, they don't think they'll need to pay for long-term care anytime soon. But what they're thinking about doing is taking $250,000 out, out of their investments or keep, keeping it in cash to help pay for this future down-the-road expense. Now, it's unlikely that it's going to happen anytime soon if there if there's a need. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still healthy. They're still you know they're in their mid sixties, and so this is for a future event that's longer than that seven year time horizon. Yeah, so a long time. And so uh, my my thought was that instead of keeping that much money in cash, they could do one of two things. They could take two hundred fifty thousand dollars and build a, a a ladder of investment grade bonds. Um, it, it could be uh, tax-free municipal bonds. It is in cash, so it's a little bit more, I wouldn't say ag- aggressive, but it, it, it's in very conservative and safe, safe bonds. Mm-hmm. It just isn't that liquid. In case interest rates go up, they might have to, to, to take a loss on, on a longer-term bond. But the thinking here is that each bond is going to be held to maturity, so there's very little interest rate risk, and the, the, the bonds are going to provide yields that are at least will at least keep up with inflation, at least close to it. That's, it. that's, the, that's the concept. Okay. So that's one idea. The other is, is that they, um, since this is an asset they won't need anytime soon, and they're not relying on it to provide growth or income, they might want to consider repurposing the asset and, and, and leverage its use. So, so what do I mean by that? Well, uh, they could take $250,000 instead of, keeping in cash or buying a laddered bond portfolio, they could take the 250 and use it to purchase a, uh, a hybrid insurance policy. 
that would provide long-term care reimbursement if they qualify for long-term care. This, this insurance, this kind of insurance is going to provide much more long-term care reimbursement than if they, than it, if they kept the funds in low-risk bonds or, or cash, certainly. Okay. If they never make a, a claim, then the insurance will provide a death benefit to the survivor or to the estate, which is going to be in excess of that initial premium. Mm-hmm. So in this case, the $250,000 isn't really an insurance expense because the family's always going to get, they're going to receive that asset plus something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then they've got the long-term care insurance uh, benefit there if there's a claim. So it, it seemed to be a, a good a good option to, to, to take a bit of cash or a bit of, a, a bit of their investments which is earmarked for that concern they have, which is long-term care. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think, it, 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 it's an, it, again, it's an interesting discussion about how people can deal with a, a, a liquidity need that might not happen for a long time. Yeah. And, and Peter, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a ton about life insurance and, and most of what I know I've learned from you already. So I have another question for you. Is that $250,000 policy, is that something that they can get on the both of them, or is it completely individualized for each of them? How, how would that work? Is that something that uh, I'm assuming it's by circumstance, right? Yeah, it's by every, every, every situation is a little bit different. There are, I think the, the better quality uh, long-term care policies are individual policies. So they could take the the two hundred fifty thousand dollars and uh, and then purchase one hundred you know use one hundred twenty five thousand on each. Got it. Okay. Um, so that's probably a, a way to go, but they they still will leverage their benefits by doing so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me like the key to any cash planning is to really be thinking ahead about not only what you you know might need, like long-term care, but also what you want, right? I mean, it's, that's a huge thing. People's wants and desires need to factor into this, right? Yeah, that's, that's the key. <laughs> that's exactly why we, we take our clients through a, a detailed financial planning analysis, because you got to get into the details. You know, we're not we're not building a rocket ship here. It, mm-hmm. it isn't really hard to do, but but honestly, most people don't spend the time to do it. <laughs> yeah. Nor nor are they thinking objectively about their 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 situation and and kind of that big picture. You know, when I'm, when we're talking to clients about their goals, about their dreams, what they want, you know, they'll, they'll often say, "I didn't even think about that issue," mm-hmm. and and they'll thank us for asking. You know, yeah, let's. Let's put it into our cash flow plan. That, that's that's kind of the conclusion because they want to know that they've covered all their bases, and I think that's the advantage of working with a professional. Frankly, someone who's not sitting in your shoes but can objectively look at the situation. Peter, one one thing I know is that you have consistently spoken about comprehensive financial planning ever since you and I have been working together. I know that's what you you know. If that's the soapbox you're going to get on, that is the soapbox. I know that for sure because everything that I've seen, everything that I've heard from you, it's all about that planning. And and I think that a lot of people want to do it, but they just maybe they fail to do it because they just don't think about it or they just don't have the time, quote unquote. But I, I just think that that is uh, something I've heard you say before, and obviously that's the important piece of this. Yeah, I'll keep on saying it. <laughs> yeah. it, it it's the planning process that's that's really the most important thing. You know, and reviewing the plan on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Do, by doing these things, it gives us the clarity and, and the confidence. You know, as we as we as we journey through through our life 
and, and it helps us make decisions and it makes us feel, gives us that security that we yeah. need, that we all are, are looking for security, not just in the sense that we have cash, but security in the sense that, that we're, we're making the decisions that are, are best for, for us and our families. Uh, and, and that, the, the, that's something that's really empowering, I think. Yeah. Well, for those that are that are not working with a professional and, and have not done a comprehensive financial plan, or for those that are listening that maybe they're working with a planner, but they just they're not hearing the same things from their planner that you're talking about on this podcast. Um, I think it's important for them to be able to reach out to you. Can you give them your contact information again? Yeah, probably the best place to go is my is my website. It's uh, raskinplanning.com. and uh, they can reach out to us there directly. There's we have white papers and. Uh, certainly our contact information is there. All right. Fantastic. Well, Peter, again, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of this and, and bringing this information to the audience. Of course, our last thank you always goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.